Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Volume. In the NBA, the game can change in an instant, but no matter how the action unfolds, you know DraftKings Sportsbook has your back. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets just for betting 5 bucks on basketball. Win or lose, you get an instant dub. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code MANIX. New customers can get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code MANIX. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort, Kansas, must be 21 or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. This is Boxing with Chris Mannix. Oh, somebody punch him in the face. Anthony Joshua is a composed and ferocious finisher. Watch this. Andy Ruiz is the heavyweight champion. Hosted by SI's Chris Mannix. That was my moment. Now with interviews, analysis, and everything going on in the world of boxing. When you have talent, you are given another chance. Here's Chris Mannix. All right, as promised, a special bonus episode of the podcast. I am in San Francisco for the Regis Progray-Devin Haney 140-pound title fight. It is going to be a great fight. It is going to be a great event. The crowd is expected to exceed 18,000, a sellout crowd at the Chase Center. You guys know from listening to this podcast, this is one of those fights that I am really into, and I'm excited that it's here, that we're going to get to see these two stars go at it on Saturday night. It is going to be a great event. And one of the fighters on this card is Ebony Bridges. If you know boxing and know women's boxing, Ebony Bridges, over the last couple of years, has really started to make her name for herself, mostly in the UK. She is a 118-pound champion. She's had some big fights, big wins over in the UK. She is in the US defending her title on this card. She's her second time fighting in the US. I sit down with Ebony and kind of talk about her journey, how for such a long time, she wasn't taken seriously as a fighter. Now she is. Now she's got some goals. We'll get into all that and more. Great conversation with Ebony Bridges. A little bit later on, Keith Idak is back, this time in person. Keith and I sit down to talk about the big news of the week. That is PBC signing a deal with Amazon. What does it mean? How much money is involved? How much promotion is Amazon going to put into it? Keith and I get into all that we know about this deal a little bit later in the show. We also talk about the Hall of Fame honorees being unveiled this week. You've got Ricky Hatton going to the Hall of Fame. You've got Ivan Calderon going to the Hall of Fame. You have got Diego Corrales going in the Hall of Fame. So you've got some names. Some of them I don't really agree with. And Keith and I have a good back and forth about which fighters are really Hall of Fame worthy and what the criteria should be when voting for the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Stick around. Great conversation with Keith Idek later in the show. First, as promised, 
Ebony Bridges. Here's my conversation with the 118-pound champion. All right, Ebony Bridges is the IBF 118-pound champion. On Saturday, she will make the second defense of her bantamweight title. And, Ebony, I was going to say, like, welcome to the U.S., but this is actually your second fight in the U.S. And I got to begin there because how does Ebony Bridges of Australia wind up in Hammond, Indiana (laughs) on a club show? Okay, we're... We'll get to who we're pointing to right there. But like that, when I'm searching your box rec, I'm like, how the fuck is Ebony Bridges in Hammond, Indiana? And what is she doing on this show? I'm pretty sure it was Gary. No, <laughs> no um, look, because I that was when I first signed with Split T, um, you know, and they had a, a lot of uh, female fighters because it was Brian Cohen, who mm-hmm. manages a lot of female fighters. And he was putting on, uh, well, he, not he, there was a promoter that he, he obviously he had to end up saving the show because it was a wild, it was like wild, wild west. But no, um, the main event was Mary McGee. She just mm-hmm. won her, her title. And There's a lot won, of women on that yeah, card. Yeah, there was, exactly. It was like almost an all-female card. I mm-hmm. think there was like one, maybe one male couple card. Of them, yeah, a couple one of them, yeah. One or two, yeah. like lower down. But there was like, I think it was like two title female title fights, you know, um, and like it was like my first year of boxing I, I was like this is mega because these girls like I looked up to them like you know like Christina Ligondale like mm-hmm. been around forever these world champions and I'm fighting on their card it was it was exciting but it was a wow it was it was a wild wild west out there in Gary <laughs> but no it was um it was good um obviously I had a good win and um, that was my you know little uh feeling out in in America yeah Tough way to get introduced to America. Oh, yeah. It was good. <laughs> and it was actually like almost the first time I'd seen snow, too. It started snowing there. I was like, wow. <laughs> oh, tough way. They could at least put you in New York. I nearly or... slipped. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that was wild. Hammond, yeah. Indiana, right yeah. there. Four, fourth or fifth uh, yeah. pro fight. When you think back to where you were in your career back then yeah. to where you are right now, I mean, how how different does it feel? Yeah, it's crazy. It's um, It's... Yeah, it's wild. Like, you know, I, um, at that point in time, I was building in America, you know, um, like I was out here at the fights getting, you know, my name out here in America. And obviously that's why I signed with an American management and, you know, all fought in America. And then it was like, after that, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, I've just had like finally kind of like broken into America, you know, got my little fight in America and whatever. And then COVID hit. And um, I think that's when it all changed a lot for women and well, but me. And I got, I just got online, didn't I? And I just um, started putting my name out there in, in the UK. Um, and oh, that's right. I remember going to straight after this fight, this fight in Indiana. <laughs> I went home and then I was like, I need to go back. Like I was, I was home for like 10 days. I went back for the Fury Wilder fight too. Mm-hmm. And I see, I've been to a few fights in Vegas, but this was because it was Wilder. I mean, Fury. It was all the the British and you know, and I was like, wow, they, they're, they're a different they're a different kind of fans, mm. and I remember being there and going, man, I need to be fighting with these kind of fans and in this this kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, all right, I'm about to go attack the UK market, and so that's what I did, mm. and um, I would never have expected. I just wanted to fight in the <laughs> arena with those fans. I didn't expect them to be my fans, you know. So yeah, amazing. Well, you know, you've talked about your boxing journey in the past, but. You know, when you were coming up, you know, boxing was banned for women, yeah. right, in Australia? Yeah, yeah, when I was younger. Yeah, exactly. So when I was younger, um, I did martial arts. I started martial arts when I was five, and I did karate, I did kickboxing training in uh, my teens, but it was illegal, yeah, for combat sports f- until 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, yeah, it was like, so it was never really like a career thought or option, mm-hmm. really. It was just like, I enjoyed training. I liked mm-hmm. fighting. Get mm-hmm. a bit of fight in the street. Get, <laughs> get, you know, get my, get my taste in the street. But like, um, yeah, it wasn't really a thing where I thought that I'd be able to do. Mm. So what? I did card girling. <laughs> and you, I saw you said somewhere you, you were want to be a ring card girl. I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was. I was a ring card girl for ten, like through, all through my 20s. Mm-hmm. Like um, I started, I did obviously when I was 18, because you don't do that when you're underage. But I did, because back then we used to walk around G-strings. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was like a strip show. I start off with like a nice dress and then I'd like get down the shorts and the little crop top. And then I'd be like by the main event, so I was in a mm-hmm. G-string. But mm-hmm. um you know, it was, um, I enjoyed it. I loved being ringside at the fights and getting paid. Sometimes I get paid probably more than the fighters on the, on the show. Mm. You know, um, I really enjoyed that. Um, and then that was while I was bodybuilding. And then when I finished bodybuilding, I was like, what am I going to do? And by that time, boxing and combat sports, is, the, the ban had been lifted. And mm-hmm. um, I thought, well, I really like punching people in the head. Mm-hmm. I like the fights, so let's do this. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I know for some women, when they go to the gym, some trainers will be like, nah, I'm good. I don't want to train oh, you. Yeah. Or, you know, have, they have that attitude, yeah. that old school mindset. Yep, yep. How was it for you yeah. early on? I did have that. Yeah, I definitely had that. Um, as, as an amateur, I had that. Um, not people wanting to take me seriously. I was training in a little gym and just wouldn't take me seriously. Wouldn't give me time. Wouldn't do sparring, no sparring. Oh, you can't spar the boys. I'm like, well, there's no girls to spar. Because, <laughs> like, especially in Australia, like, when I turned pro, there was, like, four other pros. Mm. Do you know? And that's only a couple of years ago. So it was really hard. And then when I turned pro, um, I was looking for a pro coach. And just coaches didn't want to invest because they're like, I'm gonna waste my time on a girl. Like we're not gonna make money. They're not gonna make fuck all money from us. Mm-hmm. Two, it's a girl. Like mm, no. So um, yeah, it was it was quite hard. But I'd um, gone back to my original amateur coach, and he you know he was taking me on as a pro. And thank God for him because he was the first guy that opened his doors to me and said, yes, I want to train you as an amateur. Like well, and then no. I just moved on from that for for a few fights, and then I went back to him, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was great. How hard was it early on to get taken seriously? Oh, I mean, I think for women in general, but for me, look at me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like blonde, like big boobs. Like people, I walk in a gym. Like I remember, you know, the first day that I was in Vegas and I walked into, you know, the Mayweather gym. And I walked in. First thing, they didn't say hello. The first thing they said to me, they looked me up and down. And they said, oh, you can't train in here. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, oh, no, you're too pretty to be in here. You know, it was, just a, bit, it was a joke, but it was like, that's what it's like. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they, they look at me and they're like, oh, you can't be serious. Like... You know, I can't take you seriously. I still get it now, don't I? Like, fans and people still think I'm just like some model. Like, mm-hmm. fucking, I'm a world champion. Mm-hmm. So it's still tough, you know, for me, for, for how it is. Um, but it's obviously a lot, it's getting better. Mm. Um, and I think that women's boxing has, you know, evolved exponentially mm. in just the last couple of years. Yeah, and, and look, I was guilty early on of wondering if you were kind of a gimmick, yeah. you know, coming in. When you fought Shannon Courtney yeah. early on, and you probably had four or five fights on your resume yeah. at that point. Um, here you come rolling in full of personality. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> you, <laughs> call it that. <laughs> but, you know, I, my first reaction is, okay, like here's an attractive woman they're bringing in for yeah. a, a, si- a sideshow. Yeah. But then you fought Shannon Gordon. Yeah. And even though you didn't get the win, you proved to me and to a lot of people, I'm yeah. sure, that you could fight. Yeah. Like, not, was that, even though that was a loss. Yeah. Was that a net positive Oh, that was for huge. You? Yeah, yeah, that was huge for me. And not only did I show that I could fight, I showed that I got heart, which a lot of fighters don't have, mm. you know. Um, I think that proved a lot, you know, that I'm, I'm fight, I come to fight and I'm tough, I have skill, you know, and I have heart. And that's mm. what people want to see. I mean, me as a, as a boxing fan, my whole life I've been a boxing fan. That's what we want to see. Mm. We want to see fighters that can dig deep, you know. And I was so blessed and lucky that, on that fight night, not only was I able to show that I can fight, but I was able to show that side of me, which some fighters never get to show. Well, not never, but it's you know, might take a while before they get tested like that mm. um, to to have to dig deep in that kind of situation. It was definitely a win for me for mm. that. I think I became like the people's champ, <laughs> even though not the the world champion, you know. But um, I'm a strong believer in everything happens for a reason and how it should. And my time was coming, and here I am now. What doors did that open up for you? I know you got a matchroom deal. Yeah. Shortly after that. Was that the big one for you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, look, it was always a question on everyone's on everyone's lips. You know, can she fight? Um, like I said, I built up a pretty big fan base over over um, COVID, just online, a huge fan base. Um, and it was like they were just fans of Ebony Bridges, like, mm. but, but they still hadn't really seen me fight. So I think that um, solidified a lot of the fans that I already had to go yeah okay she's you know she's not only how she is like she's not cool and like all that she also she definitely can fight so I was glad to you know have that for my fans and then obviously a lot of haters and a lot of people that were disbeliefs I had so many people so many people like saying to me you know you really changed my mind like and that's just human nature to judge people and that's why I don't get upset about it you know like it's nature I get it I'm different I came in on different and I've shook up the fucking world do you know and um, but I'm glad that People were able to change their mind and I was able to do that. And also I was able to get a lot more eyes on the sport. Mm. Um, I think that's what it did, you know, like Eddie Hearn, like the world, it opened up the world for me. Because before I was just a little fighter in, in, in Australia, I had one fight in Indiana, you know, and <laughs> now fight I'm in fighting Indiana. in the world. <laughs> still, still can go back to Indiana anytime. Yeah, I should the, go back there, take me all back. <laughs> um, when you got that matchroom deal, was that when you were able to kind of commit full time because you yes. were a math teacher, teaching. right? Yeah. Still teaching back in a, yeah. like what what did that do for you yeah. in terms of being able to go all in? Yeah, definitely. Like I just knew well I just knew after that fight with Shannon 
that I would get another world title fight. And, and, you know, Eddie pretty much kind of promised me that as well with the deal. And it was like, you know, I can't be doing what I was doing. Mm. Like, I can't be teaching. Like, it was, it's a hard work, you know. So I take my hat off to all the girls that have been doing it for many years. Mm. Pretty much it's impossible for, before recently, a, a female fighter to full-time box. It's, mm. It was always a, a side thing because it's impossible. But now, mm. thankfully, we're able to do it. So I just had to make the choice. And um, unfortunately... I had to give up teaching, which I say unfortunately because it's such a big passion for mine. I love teach. I love it. You know, I do miss the classroom all the time. Um, but I thought, you know what, what do I want to achieve and what are my goals in life? Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is what I want to do, you know. And so I I did it. I, um, yeah, I think my last class was December 2021. Mm-hmm. That was my last teaching class. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a good move. You are, I think, a, a great example, men's or women's, of proving yourself and marketing yourself, yep. right? Like you proved yourself in the ring in the Shannon Courtney fight and all the fights afterwards. But when you committed to the sport full time, you went all in, like you're from Australia, but like, what is the soccer, like, again, this is dumb American speak. Yep. What's the soccer team that you became a massive Please. fan of? Yes. Yeah. Like every time like yeah. you're on social media, you're yeah. in your adopted hometown yeah, there. Yeah. I mean, you, you no, really yeah. built yourself into something. Well, I'm an all in. I, you know, I'm like, like I said, I'm here to fuck spiders, man. Like I'm here, I, I don't fuck about like, when I do something, I'm all in, um, you know, and that's that's how I am. I I don't, it's it's, it's I'm all or nothing, mm. and so um, I had obviously my that world title fight, and then I realized I need to move to I need to I can't I can't be boxing. I can't do all this traveling. I've been doing all this traveling, country hopping for every single fight. Imagine if I didn't have to country hop and I could just be here and you know, um, and 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 move my life over there it just made sense you know all my fans all my sponsors my promoters all my fights they're overseas so i had to make that big decision had to make those sacrifices had to break out with my boyfriend of 10 years you know and make that move and leave my family because i have a dream and a goal that i want to achieve and for me it's bigger than just being undisputed or being a world champion for me i'm only a sport for a short time because unfortunately i'm old and i started late but for me boxing and Boxing in general is just a vehicle for me to use to push my message and my real purpose. And my real purpose and what I want to do in life is to inspire people, is to help people be motivated, to people believe in themselves. That's why I became a teacher. So I could go in a classroom and get kids and teach them to believe in themselves and that they can do things if they try and inspire the classroom. And now I'm able to do that on such a bigger platform because that's really ideally what it's all about for me. When I finish boxing a couple of years, like... It's, that's what I want to do. I want to continue to inspire, continue to help people, motivate people mm. and see people that, you know, if you put your mind to something, you can do it. Mm. Like, if you want to do anything in the world, you can do it. Mm. Even if you're old, <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> to a degree, to a degree. The, the perception of you changed after the Shannon Courtney fight. It changed again, I think, after you won that first world title. Yes. What did that do for you? Yeah, well, I think winning my world world title, what that did was um, it showed that I am world level. You know, it it proved to people that I am world level, Mm. you know, um, because not I didn't fight for a vacant title. You know, I didn't just fight some newbie world world champion. You know, I fought the longest reigning world champion in the division, Mm. you know, and um, for me, I think that's um, that was a big thing for me because that was a goal that I. I set for myself from when I was an amateur <laughs> I want to be a world champion like you know and I just knew it was possible and I believed in myself so that was really um, very exciting for me um, and I think it showed a lot of other people okay alright 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 she can scrap but she can she can also build, beat, beat that uh, level of fight mm-hmm. you defended that title once and you're fighting again it's been about a year yeah, since minus a day your yeah. last fight I mean that's is that disappointing yeah that it's been that long disappointing yeah yeah look I was out I had an injury I broke my hand mm-hmm. as we know I had surgery on my hand a pretty big deep surgery um, and I need, needed like that took six months to recover mm-hmm. I would have liked to be out sooner I wanted to be out sooner there was I was meant to be out sooner but that fell through mm-hmm. and it just so happens that it's like this you know uh, everything happens for a reason and I'm sure you know the, the you know the high power or whatever you know is has made it for this night mm-hmm. um and i'm looking forward to showing what i've been i've been working with a new coach you know i've um been with dave coldwell and what we've been doing um i'm really excited about and um i am feeling very confident and hoping <laughs> that everything that i've been doing in the gym and inspiring comes out saturday night because if it does mate you thought i was exciting before <laughs> You mentioned you're working with Dave now. Yeah. Um, 
you won a world title and you yep. defended it. Why did you feel the need to make a change? Um, a few few reasons. You know, I, I wanted to move up north, which is, you know, um, where I've always wanted to be, where the football team is. <laughs> um, you know, and I just thought rather than doing the move halfway through when I'm trying to be undisputed and all that mm. kind of stuff, do it now. It's a good time to move and um, settle in a place um, when I, have, I knew I had a really big 2024. And also I needed a coach that I felt could bring a lot more to my to my my game I needed I needed to learn I wanted to learn um and I like to I'm quite technical as in my mind <laughs> maybe too much I think a lot <laughs> but um I wanted a coach that could teach me and break it down mm-hmm. and um be quite technical with me because mm-hmm. we all know I've got heart we all know I can dig deep and I got I, I can get fit you know what I mean but I, I wanted to fine-tune myself I wanted to get really fine-tuned because I feel like for my goals that I need, I needed that little bit more. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. You're someone that I'm guessing that your income outside the ring exceeds your income in the ring. It's yeah. just, just hazarding a, a guess there, hazarding a guess there. Yeah. How, how do you stay motivated then to do this, to fight if you're making all this yeah. money doing other things? You know, it's uh, funny you say this because it was only, what, 10 days ago where I was like, when I didn't have an opponent still, mm. and the second one fell, third one fell through. I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? Mm. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't need the money, mm. you know? And it's so heartbreaking. Boxing is a fucking brutal sport, mate. Mm. Not even in the ring. The ring's easy, the fun part. It's the outside of the ring. But why am I putting myself through all this shit? Mm. Like, you know, no, the roller coaster of boxing. And, you know, I took a breath and I'm like, you know why? Because I said when I started boxing that I want to be world champion. Then when I became a world champion, it lasted about a, not even a day that I was happy. And I was like, okay, now what? And I decided that I wanted to be undisputed. And for me, I never started boxing for the money. If I did, then I would never have started. Because mm. when I started boxing, you know, I was getting offered four grand for a world title fight. Mm. You know, this is only four years ago. The girls weren't even getting five grand. Like, you know what I mean? So um, I never did it for the money. Money had never been my motivation for boxing. I do believe that I need to get paid what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important that I get paid what I'm worth. Um, but it's still not, it's not that I'm doing it because I need money. Mm-hmm. The money doesn't, money's never motivated me. Mm-hmm. It's always been very intrinsic for me. And that is achieving the goal that I set, which I set after I won my world title was to become undisputed. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, like every goal that I set, every heartbreak, every speed hump, every blocked road I, I overcome it and I achieve it I've never achieved anything that I said I would do I mean I've always achieved everything that I said I will so I just got to keep pushing if I was to quit or stop um, then I've let myself down so is that the end game for you to become undisputed at 118 yes. are there big is there big fights out there you'd like to oh, be yeah, in kind for of sure. what's your, your the, mentality yeah definitely I think you know obviously um, the that is the the next the I say the next goal would be definitely that. You know, there's always goals. Like I said, I was satisfied for not even a day when I would become a world champion. Mm-hmm. And that's no offense to world champions, but uh, I'm just one of those people that are like, okay, done that ticket right now. What? Like, it's I'm never satisfied. Mm-hmm. So I know that when I become undisputed, I'm as much as I'm going to be. Yes, I'm satisfied. It's going to be straight away. What now? And it is going to be big fights. There are big fights out there for me. I mean, you know, like I can go up and down weight, no problem. Mm-hmm. But while at the moment I'm at 118, I'm going to stick at this. And I'm going to clear out this division. Mm-hmm. And then of course, you know, big fights. I'm a big name. You know, and there's other big names where us together could be great fights. Um, so I think there's always going to be that. And that's when I think we talk more about money. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where money will be even more important to me because I'm like, well, now I'm after money because I've already ticked mm-hmm. off these, the, the, the intrinsic goals. Do you know what I mean? So now it's about big money fights and um, the name fights. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a little bit of a different motivation. Mm-hmm. It's it's gonna be a great I'm, crowd. You know, I'm getting older. <laughs> Your money no, dogs. You should be. I mean, you should, when you're a there's only a handful of big names in yeah. women's boxing who are the money women in multiple weight classes, and you're one of them. Like, exactly. Yeah. Set a goal for sure to become undisputed, but yeah. money fights. Oh, 100 percent. Whether they're yeah. 126, 150, yeah. wherever you can go. Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah, is the big fight. I mean, yeah, most definitely, I can go down for sure. I, I you know, I don't cut too hard. I might have to like remove something. <laughs> I I can definitely go down or um up. You know um. It's not a, not a problem for me. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a... There's going to be a great crowd yeah. at the Chaser, which is beyond shocking to me. Yeah. Given I know this market really beyond well. Beyond shocking? I'm, I'm shocked. Oh, really? I'm shocked that San Francisco is going to put 19,000 fans for a boxing match. Yeah, because it's boxing, it's right? Not, yeah. It's not a big boxing town. Mm. It is a very wealthy town, and yeah. maybe they're looking at this saying, look, it's a fun yeah. event that we can go to that's not professional basketball. Yeah. But it's going to be a great crowd. I think the crowd is going to like how you fight yeah. because you're a very entertaining yeah. fighter. Yeah. Um, 
Hammond, Indiana, San Francisco. Is the U.S. on your radar again, or are you? Yeah, kinda- yeah. I've, I've, oh, look, I'm from when I first signed with Eddie, um, and before that. But what I said to Eddie is, I'm. The, I, I came out of Australia. I don't want to be in Australia. I'm global. Mm-hmm. I'm global. You know, I already was building my name in America before I even started building it in the UK. So that's you know, I've got a big following in Mexico. You know, my my third biggest following online is in Brazil. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be global. I'm global. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm mainstream, and that's what I want. I don't want to just be a people to be I got more than just boxing fans you've got fans outside of boxing and that's really important for me with building a brand and having a life after boxing um you know it's about being mainstream it's about being global it's about being a face recognized not just in boxing but in the world Mm. and um the you know I would love to fight in America again I'd like to I will fight in Mexico I'll fight wherever Mm. you know I just want to get give everyone a little bit of the blonde bomber Mm. you know I think everyone deserves to (laughs) see a bit of the blonde bomber well I'm glad you get to see uh a bigger American city, for yeah. at least briefly. It's too bad <laughs> yeah. you're going to be out of here quickly. You should go to Napa yeah. or something like that. Do yeah, some yeah, kind yeah. of... Some Alcatraz. Some, some, <laughs> yeah. some kind of tour of the, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. of the this side of America. But uh, good luck on Saturday, and I appreciate your time. No, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And when we come back, my conversation with Keith Eidek. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Now, I'm supposed to talk here about what I remember and what I loved about my first car. And that's easy for me to do because I still have my first car. And as long as it keeps running, and so far so good, I intend to have that car probably until the day I die. Uh, That's how much I love that car. It is like a child to me. Now, it does require some upkeep, and that's why I'm grateful for a place like eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED lights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. You know, hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. Well, I think this is unprecedented. The same guest back just days after his last appearance, but that's what we have here with Keith Idex, senior writer, BoxingScene.com, joining me in San Francisco, where the Devin Haney Regis Progray fight is just days away. Well, when this comes out, it will be the day of the Haney Progray fight. Keith, you just came from the press conference, uh, which you know I- I'll give it to these two guys, man. They're selling this fight like they are doing everything they can to sell this fight. Anything stand out from the presser? Well, uh. I'll give Devin Haney's team an A for creativity because they had members of his team, including a few little kids who I'm assuming are related to Devin Haney, uh, handing out posters that they had captured the Rougarou 
and they put him in some New Orleans jail of some sort. So it was cute. Like it was a, it was something that it was like a fun thing that they tried to do. And look, I mean they're they're doing different things to try to promote the fight. The tickets are selling well. They priced the tickets smartly. I'm sure that's helped. But if they've somehow tapped into another market here, Chris, and San Francisco could somehow be a place where you have not every other month or anything, but if you have a couple of real fight cards here at the Chase Center a couple times a year, maybe three times a year, I mean, that's a, that's a smashing success for boxing. So, um, look, that they, they put up <laughs> on the zone today when they were streaming the press conference, you know, they, they were there was a lot of colorful language that I won't repeat on this podcast because I certainly shouldn't. Um, and they put up some kind of like uh, disclaimer. We apologize if anyone's offended. Oh, they always do. That. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> if you're watching a boxing press conference, you're not easily offended. And if you're a little kid, you shouldn't be watching a boxing press conference in the middle of the afternoon anyway. Um, it went on a little too long, and they started repeating themselves, like promising to knock each other out and all that kind of stuff. And I'm gonna hurt you. I'm gonna hurt you. Right. I mean, how many times can can Regis repeat? That, but what else was he supposed to do? No one told him to wrap it up. It's time to go. Uh, you know, there's a lot of back and forth between Bill Haney and and uh, Regis's strength and conditioning coach. And there's, uh, it was fine. I love that they keep putting I, the strength and conditioning coach up there. Like he's not the trainer. Like Bobby, he's Benton not. And Julian Chua and, and are and the I, trainers for Regis' program. But I think and this guy keeps getting up there. But I think that he's enjoying oh, the he notoriety, obviously, and and he's saying he's things interviews. to try to get Bill under Bill's skin. Yeah. Somehow they apparently found out that, and I don't know if this is true, so please don't hold me to this, but they found out that he was some sort of male stripper. And <laughs> when I say that Devin Haney referred to him as stripper 74 times during this press conference, I don't think I'm exaggerating at all. He literally said stripper, 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 stripper <laughs> like 16 times in a row. I don't know that love, that's love all that much of an insult. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but... but you got to love boxing where there's... You can just say it. No fact-checking whatsoever. It's like when Regis was like, Devin lost the fight in Mexico. It's like, you can just throw that out there, yeah, and, and, and that becomes accepted by some people. And became a storyline, yes. and people are asking about it. And Devin's like, this is not true. He's making this up. Stripper. And he's like, well, I know people who told him about it. And, and, and uh, you know, the, the strength and conditioning coach didn't <laughs> deny that he was – and, and if he, all, all the power to him, if he – whatever, who cares, but – uh, but that was some of the tamer stuff that was said on the stage today. And it did, you know, got a little heated, but I think a lot of it was almost tongue-in-cheek. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I'm expecting a, a good fight, an interesting, entertaining fight. And um, But they saw, they did their, they went out of their way to sell the fight properly today. Or, I don't know about properly. They, they went over the top a little bit, obviously. But, uh, but it was interesting, and uh, it just dragged on a little bit too long while they were actually on the stage. You know, the undercard fighters were, were pretty tame. I mean, there was some back and forth between Montana Love and Liam Parrow, which I think is a pretty interesting fight in the 140-pound division, which is the co-feature. But, you know, as boxing press conferences go, Chris, I was at the Mike Tyson-Lennox Lewis press conference in January of 2002. Everything pales in comparison to that. So I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised by anything that I see at a boxing press conference at this point. When you have Mike at the front of the stage saying all the absolutely batshit things that he said that <laughs> afternoon to Scoop Malinowski and various other people in the crowd. Uh, it's all pretty tame from there. Uh, before we move on, this main event is shaping up to be pretty competitive. Won't? So then you start to look at who the judges are for this fight. And, and when I looked at that list, I didn't see kind of the traditional top-tier guys. I usually look for Steve Weisfeld on a card like this. Didn't see him on there. Uh, a Dave Moretti type, David Sutherland, some of the guys you see on the top tier events, not the A team of judges. How do you look, think, see these judges, and do you wonder, like, hey, is this going to be a factor in a fight like this? Chris, I'm familiar with some of their work, but they're not judges who typically judge fights at this level. Now, in one way, you would have to commend the California State Athletic Commission for giving their judges, two of them are from California, Ray Donesco and Fernando Villarreal are from California. So they're giving their guys who've put in their, or paid their dues, so to speak, on undercard fights and everything, their opportunities, which is the way it should go in some cases. Mike Ross from Florida, also relatively inexperienced at the top level. So there aren't any scorecards that I can remember, and I did do some research on it when I found out who the judges were, that I could really remember. I remember Ray Donesco, uh, he did the, the one of the biggest fights in California recently, which was Errol Spence Jr. and Sean Porter. He actually scored that fight 
116-111 for Errol Spence Jr., which I thought was probably a fair score. You know, Sean Porter got knocked down, and I believe it was the 11th round of that fight, so that's where the other point comes in. I didn't think that was off, and that's the, the highest-profile fight he's done. Um, Villarreal has been a little wider, maybe on a couple of cards, than than I thought it should have been, but nothing egregious. Mike Ross, again, inexperienced, but it's worth looking at going into this fight because if you're Regis Progre, I spoke to him yesterday before uh, the press conference, and he said that he was not, he thought that he could win a wide decision if it goes to the scorecards because he's going to be so dominant that it won't matter. But if I'm Regis Progre, I lost a majority decision to Josh Taylor. It wasn't Josh Taylor's hometown, but it was in the UK. Josh Taylor's from Scotland. He lost a majority decision in that fight. One of the judges had it 117-112, wider than it was, obviously. And then he fought in his hometown in his last fight. It was his hometown, and he lost 114-113 on Craig Metcalf's scorecard. Um, And then, of course, Devin Haney, in a very competitive fight, won the Vasily Lomachenko fight on all three scorecards. So if I'm Regis Progre, now maybe he's not going to verbalize it or admit it, I'd be concerned about it. You know, he is insistent that this is not a hometown fight for Devin Haney, and I get where he's coming from to some degree, but it is being billed as a hometown fight for Devin Haney. He is the favorite fighter. He's undefeated. He got them the benefit of the doubt in his last fight, the biggest fight of his career. Mm-hmm. It's worth... It's worth, it's worth noting, noting and, yeah. and it should be a cause for concern for Regis Progre. Can't go into a fight looking for knockouts because it often gets fighters in trouble when they yeah. really press for the knockout. Um, but if I'm him, I'm a little uneasy. What do you, we, we talked about this in the last episode, so I encourage people to go back and listen to a more detailed analysis of it. But Regis's his belief that he can outbox Devin Handy, how much of that do you believe? Or how much of that do you think is gamesmanship on the part of Prograde to maybe get Devin thinking he's going to fight a particular way? Uh, Part gamesmanship, part ego maybe, because he feels like, you know, hey, I'm a two-time world champion. People are kind of making it seem like I'm incapable of doing certain things in the ring. And obviously, Devin is the more proven boxer. I mean, he has boxed his way for the most part to his 30-0 record. Um, So I think maybe part of him believes that. Again, from an ego standpoint, I mean, these fighters... You know, they don't they don't take kindly to people criticizing them and telling them all the things that they can't do. But I think we would all agree that Regis Progre is more puncher than boxer. Great chin, um, always in good shape, uh, takes a great shot. Um, if I were, you know, to bet my own money on it, I would say that Regis Progre would win by, if he wins, he would win by knockout. If Devin Haney wins, he would win by decision. I mean, that's conventional wisdom. I'm not breaking any news there, but, uh, you know, that's the way we would have to look at it. Would I be surprised if it went to the cards and Regis Progre won a wide decision? I would. I would, too. I would, too. I, I, I think Devin, Devin by decision, Regis by knockout is conventional wisdom, and I think that's a fair way to look at it. I'm very, I'm very interested to see what happens when Regis catches Devin for the first time because Devin in every one of these main fights gets hit by something at some point. Lenaris caught him in the 10th round. Lomachenko had two really big rounds against him in that fight so what Regis can do if he hurts Devin I think is interesting yeah and he got and he's been caught clean by southpaws yeah and southpaws who don't punch as hard as as Regis Progray clearly so you know in different ways too when I watch back the Jojo Diaz fight and I watched the Lomachenko fight Lomachenko was a lot of like lead left hands Jojo Diaz went around the guard went to the body a lot against uh, Haney so it's it's, look it's a fascinting fight it's why it's a great fight it's why we're both here and and uh, looking forward to seeing it uh, on Saturday night the reason I wanted to talk to you again though is we briefly touched on PBC's future in the last podcast where I talked a little bit about how I was hearing Amazon some kind of broader deal unclear on exactly the mechanics well before the pod even came out on Thursday, we had the announcement Amazon Prime and PBC are going to partner up on a, uh, a deal to do a PBC series. Um, it is a multi-year agreement between Amazon and PBC. I was told it could be as many as 12 dates in 2024. Now, how that's divided up between pay-per-views and traditional boxing shows, I don't know. I also don't know what Amazon's financial overlay is, which I think is an important part in all this but when you saw the announcement what you've been able to glean up until this point uh, what's your take on this pbc amazon deal yeah, i'm glad it was finally announced because it's been rumored for a long time a lot of people talking behind the scenes about it pbc tends to take its sweet old time announcing anything uh, it's pretty sure they still haven't announced the final showtime show officially which is uh eight days from today <laughs> um 
but it's good that they have a, at least one home for their fights next year, but I don't think it's going to be able to service all of the fighters that they have. In fact, obviously, it's not going to be able to service all the fighters that they have. And then how many of those dates are pay-per-view dates? Because the people who support this sport and continually either pay for pay-per-views or streaming services or network uh, subscriptions, you can't keep coming to the same people month after month after month with pay-per-views. And obviously, PBC is not the only entity in the business so there are going to be the zone pay-per-views, and there's going to be an occasional top-ranked pay-per-view with ESPN. It's just too much at a certain point. Seventy, in this case, you know, DAZN does offer you the the discount if you if you buy it through DAZN. It's fifteen dollars cheaper. It's still sixty dollars. So, um, you know, these these PBC pay-per-views typically are are no less than seventy dollars. Oftentimes, seventy-five. Sometimes, eighty-five. It's a lot of money. So, if you're a boxing fan. Look, the networks change, the streaming services change, new entities enter the market and all that. How much is it costing you to be a boxing fan is what I would want to know if I were a boxing fan, particularly as most people, you have, you know, children or budgets or mortgages or rent, whatever you whatever you have to tend to, boxing is low on that totem pole. And people, unfortunately, who cared about this sport once upon a time don't care about it anymore. And that's one of the reasons. They're not not all people, obviously. It still has a niche audience, but they've lost a lot of fans because, it, frankly, it's very expensive to be a boxing fan. You can't just turn on the TV and see a high-quality fight. Like, you can turn on NBC, CBS, Fox, and watch, you know, the, the Eagles play the 49ers, yep. et So Yeah, it's, it's definitely challenging and, as you say, expensive. I mean, you're talking... You know, if you're a traditional boxing fan, you subscribe to DAZN for 25 bucks a month, ESPN Plus for whatever it is, 15 bucks a month. At this point, on top of it, you're almost every month looking at at least one pay-per-view. Uh, so you're you're at, at 100 bucks a month, easy. You know, as a boxing fan, if you want to get all of the top-tier content, I, I do look. I like the Amazon deal for PBC because it is in a lot of homes. Most people that most people on a day-to-day basis have Amazon. I mean, hell, I order like toilet paper off Amazon. I, I order Amazon as much as any person in the world. Like, if I wake up on any given day and I need a toothbrush, I'm Amazoning it to my house. Some days I Instacart it, but sometimes, I, most of the time... Every woman we know orders more on Amazon than you do. Come on. I don't, I don't that's know, what, man. That's what like, women do. T- I could show you. I, I have subscriptions on Amazon, too. Like, let me reorder my Celsius. Let me reorder my, my Psalm, which is my sleep yeah. aid. Like, let me like let me order everything. Um, so, I, I like... People are going to have this. People are going to have access yeah. to it. The two things that we don't know, and one we'll probably never know, and one we won't know until it actually happens. The first is, again, how much cash is Amazon putting at this? What is their investment going to look like? We've heard about, you know, sort of a couple of hours of programming underneath the pay-per-views to kind of put fighters on there. That's great. Um, are they going to do high-level Showtime championship boxing levels, you know, events? I don't know the answer to that question. So seeing what Amazon's investment will be, I'm curious to see that. I also want to see how they promote it, right? Like, you know, I, I don't, when I see like Amazon's in 160 million U.S. homes, that doesn't mean anything unless they're promoting it, right? Like on Thursday nights, or really Thursday all day, you go on Amazon.com, right at the top, you see Thursday Night Football. Here's this event. That is tremendous exposure for Thursday Night Football and probably a big reason why they're doing the kind of numbers that you're doing. On the flip side of that, Amazon, if you remember, was for a while, over a year, doing these sports talk shows, right? Like Bonjour Sports Talk and uh, Carrie Champion had a show on there. Other people had shows. You couldn't find them. Like you needed like an extra search engine to find some of that stuff. They weren't promoted at all on Amazon. So if PBC is promoted and their events are promoted more like Thursday Night Football, phenomenal. They're going to, you know, expand the audience and do really good numbers. If you have to search for it, that makes it exponentially more challenging. So that's the big question to me. Like how, not just the financial investment from Amazon, but like how much do they care? I mean, like how much do they want to push boxing as a premier reason to have it? Like they'll be watching the numbers. Like these tech companies... They're only doing deals that help them overall, that make them healthier as a company. But I'm curious to see like where they place PBC on that platform because that'll tell me a lot about their investment in the sport. 
Yeah, that's the most important part of all this, Chris, is, you know, obviously the boxing fans are going to gravitate toward Amazon Prime because they want to watch boxing. Uh, you know, the boxing nuts, the boxing sickos are going to go there. And most people have an Amazon Prime membership. You know, you're getting all these packages delivered and all yeah. this stuff. Not You know, maybe you watch the Thursday Night Football or whatever. But um, for the most part, the people who are on Amazon could not care less about boxing. So if you're going to grow the sports fan base through this deal, like you said, you have to let people know that it's there. And maybe some people who are marginally interested in boxing might take a look and like what they see if you're putting on entertaining fights. And in those cases, it almost doesn't matter who the fighters are. I mean, to, to boxing fans, to hardcore boxing fans and people like us who cover the sport, the matchups matter. But to someone coming into it, with virtually no knowledge of boxing and giving it a shot, they don't know the difference between the fighters. So if you just put on good, entertaining fights, maybe you do attract some new boxing fans who who start watching the yeah, sport regularly. It's hard. With, it's, hard. it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Like, you know what I mean? Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, because they were... Well, the, the viewership was higher, but some people will tell it was, you, well... It was well, higher, but it's always by, con- by comparison, right? Like, yes, a show on Fox did... 1.1 million viewers, but if you put anything on Fox, it's going to do a certain number. If right? you put an infomercial like you put on, on the same time, on Fox, time slot, people make that argument, and, I, and oftentimes they would they would intentionally program the shows longer mm. because they knew people would tune in for the local news at 10 o'clock. Like they would put a three fight block on that started at 8 o'clock, knowing full well that it was going to go well beyond 10 o'clock, and then you would see a spike in the viewership, not only because it was time for the main event, but because people. <laughs> nationally were tuning in for their local news tricks and it gave a boost to the ratings now you can't really quantify it but that's clearly what they were yeah. doing and it did which every does too like that's why top it. rank yeah. is doing their show the heisman Saturday, show no which... i get it yeah I, I, and it's, it, it is what it you know maybe yeah. some people again if you tune in for the local news and you liked what you saw from fighter x and fighter y yeah. on fox maybe yeah. you would watch it the next time yeah. i mean that you're trying to draw you're trying to bring in new fans, which if you have to trick them into it, so be it. Yeah. But the point is that this sport needs to grow its fan base, and it almost incessantly does things to turn people away from it. So this is an opportunity on a platform this enormous with this much reach that has this much financial backing mm. to not do that. Yeah. So hopefully they'll make the types of fights that are on the platform because you're not going to get people who subscribe to Amazon Prime primarily for you know to buy whatever maybe to watch an NFL game here and there I don't think those people are suddenly going to pay $75 to watch two guys they've never heard of box no. but they might watch it if it's on there and there's nothing and they feel like there's nothing else on and give it a shot yeah I I think the matchups are, are I do think the matchups are going to matter because we what we've seen in the last five six years is it doesn't matter the the the, the size of the audience of the platform if you put something on there that's pedestrian people aren't gonna they're just not gonna watch it like you know that what's one of the big reasons showtime is out of boxing which is one of the big reasons hbo went out of boxing was that the higher-ups of those companies looked at the numbers said we're not getting the return on our investment we could put we could commit more resources to another season of billions or we can put more resources to another episode of game of thrones like rather than doing boxing it's all about the the results there so i hope that when Amazon does non-pay-per-view events, I think the pay-per-view is going to do fine. PBC's got some great fighters for pay-per-view. Tank Davis is going to do well. Canelo Alvarez is going to do well. Uh, if Terrence Crawford does multi-fights on you know the platform, that's going to do well. You know, even David Benavidez, I think, is growing his brand, and it's like we'll start doing uh, even better numbers. But like these mid-level shows, I just hope they're good. I hope they're competitive. I hope you know if you do Benavidez against Jamal Charlo, I hope that's a uh, if that fight ever ha- actually happened, I hope that is a regular Amazon show, right? Like that's expensive, but like as a pay per view, I don't know, I don't know what that does on on that type of thing. So, right. I know. mean, that's the biggest thing, Chris. I think they need to cut the number of pay per views, and they never do that. Yeah. Right. Never. I mean, they've ne- just they, they just don't do it. So I don't have any faith that that is going to be the way that they move forward here. But it would be a pleasant surprise if that's what they do. If, if you do four pay-per-views a year instead of seven or eight, some guys are too expensive. I, I get it. You know, they expect a certain amount of money. But as we discussed during the last podcast, particularly PBC fighters in, in this new world in 2024, they're going to have to accept yeah. less money or they're not going to fight. Yeah, and they already weren't fighting that often anyway. So, Well, imagine if you're a PBC guy who you know that Al Heyman doesn't value all that much. And, and maybe you don't have 
uh, you know, a contract on paper. Some You're going to have to go fight too. Some, like some of these guys are fighting on club prospe- shows. Prospects, yeah, yeah of course, like, yeah, because you want to stay active. Yeah. And you, as a, in the developmental phase of your career, you have yeah. to fight. It's not like if you're Jamal Charlo and you fight twice a year or, in his case, once every five years, um, okay. Yeah. I mean, you're making a lot of money and, you know, your brand is established and everything. If you're a young fighter, like Jaleel Hackett's a good example, fought last week on, on DAZN on a, yeah. uh, the Red Owl Boxing Series. You know, these guys are 19, 20 years old. They need to fight. You know, you gotta so fight five times a year for the most part. You got to find a way to do it. Look, bottom line is the Amazon. Amazon has the potential to be a great deal. It also has the potential to be inconsequential. It could be just more of the same. So we'll see how they they operated uh, at the start of 2024. Last thing for you, uh, since we recorded the last episode, uh, we have the Hall of Fame results that are out. And I want to give a first shout out to my man Ivan Calderon. I've been voting for Ivan Calderon for years, Keith. Years back in the day, you remember this in the 90s. It was like death taxes and Ivan Calderon by decision, man. He was consistent. One of the best little men in all of boxing, multi-division, world title holder. I was thrilled to see him get in. I thought he deserved it. Um, I don't know if this is a hot take, but I didn't vote for Ricky Hatton. I didn't vote for Michael Moore. Um, I'm blank. Who was the uh, – I didn't, I didn't vote for Diego Corrales either. Like, uh, how did you feel about the guys that got into the Hall of Fame? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's – well, it, in some ways, star-studded because Ricky Hatton was a big star. Yeah. Uh, no it's two name-studded, yeah, right? I don't right, know. Right. Yeah. But Ricky Hatton did have a huge win. I'm not, I'm, not saying, yeah. I'm not saying one win gets you in the Hall of Fame necessarily, <laughs> but he was in some very big fights, and, of course, he lost those fights by knockout. But, Badly uh, but he was right. No, of course. But, but Ricky you know, was a, you know, uh, before boxing really, when I say took off, I mean the way that it was five, six years ago in the U.K., Ricky Hatton was a huge star there and you know in the early 2000s mid 2000s and everything so uh, big star obviously uh, I mean you could quibble over anyone's resume I suppose and 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 the and some of it is the impact that they had on but it's not strictly the way people vote Chris you know this as well as I do it's not strictly was this guy the best technically sound fighter or did he have five you know yeah. It's subjective. High caliber wins or three or two or one. You know, they look at it. It's very subjective. And people look at it like, well, Ricky Hatton was an enormous star. He packed arenas in England. He was a credit to the sport. And How do you, you know, feel about went out that? There like, I don't vote for guys like that. Like, how do you feel about that being a criteria? I, I could for see it going both ways because, look, yeah. I, I'm from New Jersey. Uh, but see, this is why I'm glad you brought up Arturo Gatti. You're gonna, sorry, yeah. I'm jumping your play there. But you're going to bring up Arturo Gatti. I think, like, Gatti and Hatton to me have similarities, right, where they're both big stars fun action fighters but when it comes to accomplishments not as much i feel like Gotti got that one slot right where it's like he's the guy in, and like tyson was kind of the same way quite frankly where tyson was a a massive attraction but if you look at the quality wins for mike tyson he didn't he, he was more accomplished in the heavyweight championship belts that he won but in terms of quality wins a lot of them weren't there some guys just transcend tyson did i thought Gotti did I don't know that maybe it's because I'm from in the U.S. Like I don't know that Hatton did. Like, a, like if Tyson, Mike Tyson's not, and I understand what you're saying in terms of the quality of some of his wins, but he's the youngest heavyweight champion ever. He was a phenomenon, unlike anything cleaned we've out ev- in the we've 80s ever, ever seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I'm not quibbling with Tyson. The whole no, but I'm, what straight. I'm saying though, Chris, the, the, it, to your point, you know, the person's impact on the sport, and Mike Tyson, of course, did some horrible things and went to prison and all. I'm not glossing over that. But the impact that he had on boxing and still has, you, you're at fights, no one, no. I mean no one, gets the reaction that Mike Tyson gets He's when magnetic. he walks into an arena. And yeah. I'm talking about, like, you know, if Denzel Washington walks yeah. into the building or Mark, whatever, name a star, you know, rap star, who, pick whoever, 50 Cent, whoever you want, no one gets the reaction in a boxing arena like Mike Tyson. So going back to what you were saying about Arturo Gatti, multi-division world champion he was a rock star in new jersey you know did all this great business down at boardwalk hall and everything floyd was him was he the right floyd mayweather's first pay-per-view fight Mm -hmm. was against arturo gatti and he was considered while an overwhelming favorite and the people at main events who promoted arturo gatti did not want that fight (laughs) uh they wanted it from a financial standpoint but knew that arturo gatti would lose that fight um but they did it because arturo gatti made it you know five plus million dollars to do it uh but um, Floyd Mayweather, as you said, had to come to him. That's how big Arturo Gatti was at the time. So he had such an impact on the sport that I think, you know, is 
in many cases more important than what he of course he was not a t- he wasn't Pernell Whitaker he wasn't a technician he wasn't the most technically sound fighter mm-hmm. but he had a very positive impact on the sport uh, was a multi you know uh, w- w- multiple world titles I mean so you know uh, people it all it's a subject no one yeah. sends you the ballot and says this is the criteria yeah. for it so yeah. you're kind of left on your own you to what's important to you which you may value i don't mean you specifically but anyone might value more than the next guy he some- one more qual- like high quality win he had the zoo fight he beat yeah. the Car- uh, the zoo fight was right? a huge win zoo fight was a huge win yeah. Yeah, absolutely beat he beat uh, no castillo castillo he right. beat castillo mm-hmm. so he had, he had a couple of wins like that but then he goes to he fights Pacquiao and gets flattened. He fights Floyd, eventually gets flattened. But like, but he was, uh, I'm not saying Floyd was the biggest guy, but he wasn't a welterweight either, really. He was no, a junior, well, no. you know, but. Um, Pacquiao was bad, though. That was, right, uh, Pacquiao's a smaller he, guy, he, and obviously. He came in talking no, about how big he was. I remember yeah. Freddie Roach being like, we know we're the, we're the bigger puncher in that fight. Right, sure, shit, right. They, and, and plus, you know, Ricky didn't he live the cleanest lifestyle. Life, you know, he <laughs> lived like a rock star, too, and he'd be the first one to tell you that. I think about this, because you start thinking about future Hall of Fame ballots, and. When these guys start coming up, their accomplishments are not going to be great because in today's era, they're just not fighting and they're kind of doing more cherry picking than maybe ever before. Here's a good example. Devin Haney's 25 years old, right? Let's just say he wins tomorrow night. I'm not sure that he's going to, but let's say he beats Regis Progray. He'll have gone to... Now, I understand that George Cambosis is not a Hall of Fame fighter, but he did beat Tiafimo Lopez. Whatever was wrong with Tiafimo Lopez that night, George Cambosis pulled off a huge upset, had three of the uh, lightweight titles. He went there twice and dominated him. Whatever we think of the decision against Lomachenko, he beat one of the best fighters of his entire generation. Mm -hmm. And then if he goes and beats... Regis Progre, who's only lost a majority decision mm-hmm. to an eventual undisputed champion. And right now, that's a Hall of Fame resume. Right, yeah. he's 25 years old. I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. He's he'll become as accomplished as some of these other guys have been been accomplished. Um, Michael Moore too, like great at light heavyweight. Had yeah. the one win over Holyfield. Best known perhaps for <laughs> getting knocked out by George Foreman at the very end. How did you feel about him? Yeah, I mean, look. Very good heavyweight champion, talented guy. What the one thing that surprised me with Michael Moore um, wasn't beloved. Certainly not beloved by the media, no. and and he got in. You know, so yeah. the credit no, to like him. He, for, he won like what was it? He he was undefeated at light heavy, and he won like all of them by knockout. Like he was he was, but he didn't fight anybody at that point. The guys weren't there. wasn't Available. I think it was up to heavyweight. The Holyfield win was great. It's kind of like with 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 Hatton resume wise in that like. He had that one great win. Like, Holyfield was a great win. But is that enough to make you a Hall of Famer? Diego Corrales is another one that's kind of along those lines. Like, fun, fun like, fighter. You're right about Moore's resume. Yeah. But if you're Moore, well, Mike Tyson lost multiple times. Though. He didn't beat Holyfield, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so you could look at like, it. You know, no, I know, yeah. I know, I know. But I'm just saying, you, there are I arguments know, to I be know. made on both sides. So The Corrales um, one I thought was interesting. I never thought, like, it took Corrales a while to get on the ballot, didn't it? Like, he was, yeah. like... Yeah. You know, Corrales was, for people, I hope you're familiar with Diego Corrales, like one of the more fun fighters at 130 in his time. I would say this, Chris. <laughs> I don't care what Diego Corrales did before or after May 2005. Yeah. Based on based on what he and Jose Luis Castillo yeah. gave to us That's what, yeah. in that fight, he deserves to be in the, Now, I understand people can say, hey, <laughs> idiot, don't eat. It's one fight. It's not one fight. Yeah. It's the fight. Yeah, it's the it's the best fight. One of the greatest fights that ever. has happened, the the in my life that I've seen. And yeah. I'm not saying it's the best fight ever. All I'm saying is in my time covering boxing, and again, I'm from New Jersey, and Arturo yeah. Gatti is a god there, and all that stuff. To me, Corrales Castillo is the fight. Yeah, and and he was a, again a, a world champion. It's not like he was a you know obviously he lost to Floyd in, in his first big fight and all that. But oh, that was a beating. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Not, and he got yeah he got beat up bad in that fight. And then of course died tragically on the two yeah. year anniversary of his fight in a motorcycle accident uh, on the two year anniversary of his fight with Castillo. Um, but man, to give what they gave us that night, amazing. Man, I'm voting for Diego Corrales in that I respect. Know. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Like I've gone back and watched that final round of Corrales Castillo. 
I don't know how many times. Like Joe Goose yeah, hopping Joe. up on the apron, going, "Gotta <laughs> knock him out." Fucking get inside on him now. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I love everything about that final sequence. And like one thing I love about Castillo, no or no Corrales, no quitting him whatsoever. How many times did Floyd knock him down? Five times. Yeah, got, His father had to stop the fight. He kept getting up. No, like, I remember that fight on up. HBO. No, it was, he's yeah, always it was a great what if too because yeah. he didn't. He another like Haddon. He lived a life outside the right. ring. And, like, of course, lived recklessly, and that's how he yeah, died, unfortunately. Yeah, but, like, he um, was, like, that Floyd fight, you read the reports from back then, like, he was partying before, like, yeah. just not, whereas Floyd is, like, the most disciplined guy yep. in the world. Like, it's just, like, I, I think, look, it's going to be a fun Hall of Fame induction because all three guys, these guys are, or at least two of them, are or were, in the case of uh, Corrales, like, larger-than-life kind of characters. It's just, like, I don't know if they fit the accomplishment criteria. And I wonder if we're, like... Should we really be shifting away from that? Like, are we are we diminishing accomplishment over star power? The other the other thing as it relates to this, Chris, is the Boxing Hall of Fame, the International Boxing Hall of Fame, is comparatively new. Yeah. As you you know, in, in relation to the Baseball Hall of Fame and the and the, the Football Hall of Fame to a lesser degree, but the Baseball Hall of Fame is the one with the highest standards. I feel like that's not the. Ca- and I'm not trying to diminish the Hall of Fame. I'm just saying the voters. Well, they do for people that don't know. They do that goofy thing where like three guys got to get in every year. Like even if right. like guys aren't, there's going to be years on the ballot where guys are not deserving. In baseball, if they, if people don't get seventy five percent, they don't get in. It's not the same in boxing, which I always thought is a major. And I'm sure you feel yeah. this, like it's a major problem with with that. Right? Thing. No, I do. And but the standards. My point overall is that the standards are lower for boxing to get into the International yeah. Boxing Hall of Fame than the Baseball Hall of Fame because it's all you know baseball most of the Baseball Hall of Fame is it, it's driven by statistics and of course you know the the way that the game is analyzed now They're is very much different accomplishment but driven in baseball I right like right and, and and they hold you know a lot of the voters obviously if a guy if they even suspect that a guy was on steroids or Kinda PEDs like that too. I don't really try I, I try yeah, to stay but, away from voting for right but there are guy but there are people who don't look at it that way yeah. and in here you would you would think in boxing where someone's life is literally at stake you would think if someone gets popped for PEDs that that would discount them on your ballot some people don't look at it that way. Yeah. I know? usually, and, and people can quibble with this, if a guy tests positive once I on a Hall of Fame ballot, I give him a pass. I say something, I'll say maybe something crazy happened. Second time, you're done. I don't vote for anybody the second time, right? It's, again, very subjective. I don't, I don't fault anybody for ruling them out. I don't love people that vote anybody in. Like, I'm not going to vote for a James Tony. I'm not going to vote for Antonio Tarver. Like, I just, I think there's, there's just too much evidence there that, that piles up. But, um... Look, anyway, I'll be at the Hall of Fame ceremony for my man Ivan Calderon because you better you better be there for Fred Sternberg too, man. Come on, come on. Yeah, that's right. Congratulations! I texted him as soon as I heard that he was in the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to PR Maven Fred Sternberg for somehow fooling somebody to get his ass (laughs) into the Hall of Fame. Amazing. All around, I, I do love the guys that get in that are like part of the good guy stuff and the the outside of the modern category stuff. I because love that. In the, in the case of Fred, I, you know, some people know who he is, some people don't, I understand that. But for those of us who cover boxing, I mean, he's an invaluable resource for us. And, and look, uh, you know, he's obviously a, a very nice person, professionally and personally. I disagree. Um, I think he's horrible. <laughs> um, but, you know, he, but he's also a creative mm-hmm. PR guy who always thought outside of the box and did things that a lot of PR people frankly don't do and you know he was Manny Pacquiao's PR guy for a long mm-hmm. time and has worked with a lot of you know worked at America's Presents for a long time and has worked in this business forever Freddie Roach is, is one of his clients as well um, but yeah Fred's a and, and these to your point people contribute to boxing in a variety of ways it's not just the people who fight in the ring you know they're obviously promoters and managers and matchmakers and <clears throat> in Fred's case a publicist so yeah. you know kudos to Fred and uh, I'm happy to see him get this honor for him and his family I love you know, Freddie Roach and these press releases Fred puts out there has some pretty compelling f- quotes. And you meet Freddie Roach and talk to Freddie Roach, he doesn't really sound like that. When one of my, well, I think Freddie would be the first one to tell you uh, if you asked him. He'd say, "I don't really remember saying that," but he's fine with whatever Fred said. Well, out, one you know? of my first experiences with Fred Sternberg was when he was working, probably with Top Rank with Kelly Pavlik, and I'd get these press releases that would quote Jack Lowe, Kelly Pavlik's trainer, yeah. and they would just be these. 
gregarious statements coming from Jack Lowe. And then I started to do some stories on Kelly, and I would spend some time with Jack Lowe. Doesn't talk anything like that. I'm like, wait a minute. That was my first, like, Fred Sternberg might be embellishing some quotes from some of these people he's putting pressure on. And whenever you call, whenever you would say it to Fred, uh, this really doesn't sound like someone's, oh, no, you know, you told me exactly. Yeah, I was there. You know, I, I was hanging with, out with With a him. smile and a wink, you know. You were, uh, so. were at the wild card. He said that, <laughs> sitting right next to him. <laughs> All right. Well, Keith, I appreciate your time twice yeah, of course, this week. Thanks for joining Yeah, you're welcome, man. No problem. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Ebony Bridges and Keith Eidek for joining the show. As always, subscribe, rate, review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you download podcasts. And I'll see you next week. Thank you so much. I go sleep. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.